present the minute you come up rather than get ready to be revealed. That's all. Well, I've got news for you. You've just been revealed because I just recorded the last few seconds. So welcome to the GP Productions podcast. today on the podcast i've got a very special guest did you like our impromptu intro there i loved it It it's great yeah so i'm joined by famous voice actor mr marty grabstein how are you today man i'm good man i'm good i'm good yes i'm very very good and why am i famous oh i don't think anyone would know why you're famous why are you famous do you want to tell people why it is that you're famous You have to say why I'm famous, man. See, this is already, already we didn't know it was going to start this way. Yeah. Yeah. What's the thing that got me in here? What, do you care that I'm on Law & Order, that I do character work, that I'm a journeyman actor, that I'm a guy that works in in, in the industry, you know, know, ripping his heart out to get a small role and give everything he can? Is that why I'm here in this interview? Well, let's talk about the start of your career and let's leave people wondering what it is that you're famous for. Okay, okay, you want it, you don't. Let's build up to this. Let's build up to this. This is great. (laughs) A mystery. Yeah. (laughs) Now, before the TV stuff, um, I was reading you'd done a little bit of comedy and writing. Do you want to tell us about your journey kind of before television, what you'd done? Okay, before television, see, that makes him, you see, folks out there in television land, out there in Ireland, the fact that I'm on television, it makes me, it gives me like a credibility or something for you, right? It's a good thing. It's very exciting. But really, the nuts and bolts, the the true beauty of what I do is the kind of stuff that you do where you don't get paid, essentially. Like me for this podcast. This podcast, this this fellow right here from of Cheap Heat. Yeah, he threw together a beautiful production value opening salvo, right? He had my buddy Butterbean on there. God bless him. All of that. But he's getting nothing for this thing. So he's doing it for love of the game. So this is what I did over the years for love of the game, for sure. I mean, I've done a whole lot of, you know, theater in my life. I've done summer stock. I've done... uh, you know, regional theater, a lot of work in New York, off off Broadway, things like that. Um, but the thing for me that was probably most uh, rewarding, essentially, was the fact that I um, I found somebody to team up with, and we decided to do our own sketch comedy show, live show 
We were a sketch comedy duo, which we named ourselves Lab Rats, essentially. Mm -hmm. And basically, we wrote and performed all our own original material and performed it in clubs, small theaters all over the New York City area. And that was what we did. And it was great fun, great joy to do that. And we were pretty darn successful to do doing that. Um, we were very successful. We got some really nice reviews in the various newspapers uh, and magazines in New York City. Uh, but most importantly, as an actor, uh, you know, for me, I had a kind of a, a platform to always be working, always doing my work and, you know, performing and always being, keeping this this inspiration fresh. So it was kind of very exciting. Um, and we got into like a show. We had like a, a, a kind of a very well, well received, successful um, show called Smash the Treadmill. Um, and we, uh, you know, it was really quite, quite beautiful. And uh kept me rolling you know yeah i done a little bit of stand-up comedy when i was in college as oh. kind of a as kind of a, a dare it was my good friend steve dared me to do it and i'd done a, a few gigs in um in around ireland nothing nothing major but kind of improv and stuff like that but i couldn't stick with it because i had two problems with it the first one was i was just too nervous i was just thinking about it all day the second problem i had was i couldn't remember what to say oh, you know when right. I yeah rising when, when, yeah when I went up I knew I had like maybe like I have for this podcast I have about eight or ten bullet points but I'd need the sheet of paper there because I'd have that feeling in the back of my you mind the sheet that of if, paper there right now I have two sheets of paper here could you show the show the sheets to the, to the, to the people do you see see folks see the sheets you know yeah. it's not only you know Marlon Brando Robert De Niro mm -hmm. Al Pacino that need the crib sheets. You understand? Yeah. Like that. Even my friend right here, Maurice Shortfall. Shortfall? Shortall. Shortall. Yeah. Shortfall. <laughs> Shortfall. <laughs> but what I wanted to ask you about the stand-up end of things was, um, did you find that a lot more nerve-wracking in front of a live crowd rather than maybe doing stuff for TV? Well, understand the distinction there. I, I was not stand-up comedy. In other words, I've actually never done stand-up comedy. Oh, really? No, this was sketch comedy. We wrote yeah. our own sketch work and yeah. characters bouncing off of one another. They were rehearsed. Not yeah. that we did no improvisation. There was a certain amount within yeah. there. But in general, these were, you know, mini shows, like three minutes long, five minutes long sketches, you know. So that was what we did. Um, so the answer is no, it was not nerve wracking at all. It was wonderful. Uh, I was too afraid to do stand up. By the way, just so you know, uh, what, you know, I finally decided that at some point, uh, once the world that I live in will allow me to go places and do what I need to do within uh, the horrible uh, New York City environment where everybody seems to be terrified of forever and ever and ever uh, until the ends of the earth um, that to actually finally for the first time jump on a stage and do stand up. I'm going to try it. I'm going to do yeah. it for fun. Not because I don't ever hope to make any money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to end up with stand up just like you, Maurice Shortall. Yeah. Shortall? Uh, yeah. 
I'm I'm very surprised that you've never done stand up. That's that's really yeah. I mean, comedy has always been the thing for me. Certainly, you know, it's always been. I I can't, you know, it's I've sort of generally built into my, what's in my DNA, being comedic, and I kind of, you know, revel in, you know, turning the world a little upside down, and you know celebrating the absurdity of human existence and and most importantly my own uh, uh ridiculous existence all of that you know. <laughs> you're the first uh, voice actor that i've had on the show i've had oh. various different people that i've done i've had puppeteers on and different people that do different things within the industry how did you become a voice actor well since you chose not to lead with this with my big macha thing, which we're going to reveal soon. Yes. Um, I've never actually been a voice actor per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, voice actor, really, and you, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, in my, you know, I guess it's okay. I'm in my sixties. Yeah. Um, uh, the truth is, I actually got my first really big voice job animated. Well, I don't want to say, but. Spoiler, spoiler. Job! In 1998, actually. And um, up until that point, I've done a few voice uh, work, a couple of commercials, um, you know, some small, like, like radio plays, which I did. But in general, I've always been either on stage or uh, as time moved on, television and film and all that stuff, an on-camera guy, you know, character actor type of guy. Then I went into that whole hoopla before when I was acting for the camera just for (laughs) Maurice's show, you know. Yes, this is, to answer you, this is a new thing for me, but I now, because I have this very distinctive voice and I'm older and I actually, it is an older voice and it's good for certain things. So I now have a very good agent who has now begun sending me out on a lot of things. I've come very close to twice to another. Well, I don't want to get into it. But anyway, the point is more voice work is coming down the pike as I'm an older guy rather than when I was younger. Can you explain to me and for people that wouldn't know the process of you doing a voiceover for an animation? Okay, so we've gone that far. The animation part, the idea mm-hmm. that doing it for animation. Well, here's the thing. I mean, I I don't want to lie as if I have some sort of, you know, incredible system of how this works. Um, but, you know, for me, but it does seem to make sense that you look at the character, you see what the character looks like, and you know, firstly, you see, you know, right right away, you might make a decision based on, you know, the sound. How does that character sound to you in your mind before anybody's spoken to you? You know, just kind of said, just look at how the character looks. And, and would you, get, was, what's that? Would you, sorry, would you get the creative freedom to make a decision like that? Or is it based on who you're working for? Well, I mean, ultimately, it depends on, I mean, when you go to an audition, and you're auditioning for this role, um, you, uh, you know, they describe how they want. And if you got the job, 
well, you probably injected something. I will tell you this, the thing that we're being mysterious about, I will tell you this, when I was called in to audition for the role, um, it was, um, they didn't know what they wanted. They just know that they heard every voiceover artist in the city uh, for this role um, and, you know, very skilled voiceover artists, much more skilled than me at the art of voiceover. And it can be an art, uh, by the way, just a little uh, before I finish that, with regards to what voiceover work is, it, it is a combination. There should be a core of truth to it, just like acting, a core of truth. So in other words, like, you know, when they tell you not to overact, that you shouldn't overact with voiceover either. But there are, you know, essentially, it's also a technical job. So you might decide this guy is kind of a mobster guy. So maybe this guy, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, I think. So you have to see the way my voice just went, uh, a little crack. So I hear that and I notice that, yeah, you know, I think, you know, we go down the road, I'm talking to Bobby, uh, Bobby ate himself a salad, and uh, he said he gave back because there's no chicken. He asked for chicken in the salad. He got no chicken. He needed some chicken. So what did I do just now? I just I made a little voice. You know, it was just sort of a little accent. Uh, I did a little something with this, you know, made it more scratchy than it normally really is and deeper. So those are all technical choices, essentially, right? And And then somewhere along the line, with all that technical stuff, uh, I, I'd like to believe there was a certain kind of truth, even how I was saying it. I wasn't, you know, overdoing it, you know, trying to find a little bit of truth, because truth is always a key, no matter what, in any kind of, I think, successful acting work. Without truth, there's, I think it's, if you got by on something without truth, you were very lucky, but somewhere along the line, they're going to expose you for being a fraud, I, I would think, you know, so. Should I tell people what, what, uh, what we're referring to? Oh, like, what do I care? At this point, what's the difference? <laughs> Whatever you want to do, man, this is your show, baby. So we're no. talking about Courage the Cowardly Dog. Courage the Cowardly Dog. Courage the Cowardly Dog. Now, if we could hear the rolling sounds of applause, which is what I was listening for. Yeah. It's there. It's there. We can't hear the applause, but I know it's there. Yeah. 14 minutes and 45 seconds we held out on that for. That's pretty impressive. That was pretty damned impressive, I got to tell you. And I also want to go on record as saying, my friend, and you know this is true. You know this because I see the, I see a little impish grin on your face. Yeah. I have never done this before in any interview where we start off with, you know, letting me essentially get my cred without my crutch. Yeah. Cred without the crutch, right? So now it is now all of us see. Hopefully people thought, oh, this guy's cool. This guy's all right. He seemed to be conscious of it. And then we say what it is rather than. Yeah, I'm Courage the Cowardly Dog. I uh, I yeah. did that. And, uh, oh, wow, that's really cool. And now I can uh, just sit back, relax, and uh, my chair's <laughs> already built there. I don't even need to get up from this chair, man. I'm going to sit back like this, right? 
Actually, it feels very good, I'll be honest with you. All right, I'm going to get it. All right. Courage is now with the dog. So, yes, and just to reaffirm that, that is true, the story I told. For that character, I mean, a friend of mine called me up. There's a nice lesson. I'm answering a question you haven't answered yet. You haven't asked yet. But yeah. I got the job because a friend of mine called me up and said, Marty, I see that you were uh, reviewed uh, with this, you know, a comedy act. Uh, I saw your name in the paper, and it just yeah. jogged me that I'm working for this guy, John Dilworth, and he's creating this new cartoon series, Courage the Cowardly Dog, and he's been listening to every voiceover artist in the city, can't decide, over 200 voices, can't decide on how it should sound. So when I saw you, I saw it, boom, it jogged my memory. Let me bring Marty in. It was kind of kidsman, right? She brought me in within two minutes. He chose me for the job. He liked the way my voice sounded, except he, the only thing is he wanted, instead of talking like this, he wanted me to go up like this. What do I do? What do I do? Like that. And then yeah. he's yes, yes. And he got crazy and he got excited and he said, we got our courage. <clears throat> and that was it. So what's the lesson there, by the way? What is the lesson there? I don't know. What is the lesson? Hey, the lesson is that would I have gotten the call if I was not doing what I love to do for no money but because it, I'm in the zone, I'm in it. Yeah, I'm yeah, in you that have, you world. Have, you have to be there. You have to be somewhere. Somebody has you to be watching to be you somewhere. somewhere. People, you know, you're just in the world. And this woman called me because, you know, because of that. So if you know anybody who's thinking, I don't know, you don't make any money. Do it because you love to do it. Sometimes money comes down the way, and so money came for me. And you know, God bless. You know. Yeah. And obviously, this has stood the test of time as well, like, and it's still popular. And I see you do a lot of fan conventions. What's it like to do those conventions? Because I, I speak oh. to a lot of people on this podcast from different avenues, whether to be wrestlers or whether to be in horror movies or something like that. But the convention world, it's like not everyone, not every person on this planet even knows what a convention is. Like, it's it's like the best hidden secret ever, isn't it? Isn't it interesting? It's almost like you're 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 a member of this club of. It's kind of like the a very, very large island of misfit toys. Yeah. Essentially. I don't know if you've ever heard that reference, uh, the island of misfit toys. But anyway, yeah, it's really a wonderful. It's not a disparaging comment on the people that come to No, conventions. I understand what you're saying. But, yeah. but there are a lot of people that come to conventions that are, you know, in their own lives, maybe find themselves like a lot of what they call nerds, right? Nerds are, you know, often, you know, the ones that maybe, you know, have a struggle in those, or they're not quote unquote super popular, but, but that's changed anyway as the years have moved on, as people realize that nerds are really cool. But yeah. uh, a lot, you know, going to the convention, first of all, I'm making money, which is insane in and of itself. The idea of going and all of a sudden, uh, somebody calling me up and saying, We'd like to have you at the convention. We believe that, you know, people would like to see you and, you would bring you coming would bring people to come into the convention. Yeah. So the convention promoter would be making money off of my presence and I would be making money off of my presence as well. Um, something which if I saw somebody on the street, I would just sign an autograph for no money, you know, but you go to the convention, everybody knows you're spending money. That's just the way it is. So yeah. I go there 
and I gently, you know, respectfully take the money. And, uh, and, and I give them a lot for the money. I, yeah. I, I give them every bit of my heart and soul for that connection that we make together. And even if they don't want to buy, I still give them my heart and soul. And I'm, I make them walk away to feel very good. They didn't spend a dime and they walked away happy. That's my thing. Why? It's like I'm so grateful you know, to, to connect with people that actually love this show. The show is extremely beloved by a certain grouping of people. A lot of people love this show, continue to love it and love the character. It's a very powerful show in that it's about this little, you know, small, very terrified little dog who's scared of his own shadow, scared of everything, right? Uh, and, and that somehow, I mean, the worst monsters and frightening creatures and weird stuff comes and is confronts his little idyllic house where he lives with a very loving female older woman and a very nasty male older man. And, um, you know, somehow at the 11th hour, this little doggy son rises to the occasion, faces his fear and uh, saves the day. So it's kind of wonderful. And I think a lot of people identify with having anxiety, having fear, uh, you know, especially this time of year, this time over this last two years, it's where fear yeah. has been peddled like, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, candy or, you know, or <laughs> pharmaceutical drugs. However, yeah. <laughs> However you want, whichever you want to say, however it's being, whatever's being peddled at the time. So tomorrow, yeah. tomorrow in Ireland is the first day in two years that we will have our restrictions fully lifted. So they're doing it in Ireland too? Yeah. Not just the UK. Yeah. Ireland as well. Yeah. No well, we, we, we've had a very strict lockdown. No, the only thing that they're keeping is masks on public transport and in shops. Right. Everything else is going from tomorrow, which is kind of exciting because get to go to things that we enjoy, like plays, shows, music, cinema, you know. You can go there. With, and what about the which, the thing that shall be remain nameless because uh, they'll find a way to tear you down? The well, the jab. bars. Are they no longer pushing the jab? Oh, the jab. Oh, we, we actually have a 94% jab rate over here. So that's probably contributed to the decision. But yeah, there was a big push on it. Yeah. But they're not bothering anybody about it anymore? Well, this is the thing. Um, up until today, you needed the jab, as we say, to get into places. But from tomorrow, you only need it for international travel. <laughs> so what was the fucking point? I I'm not going to lie to you. I got it, but I got it to go to shows and I got it to go to bars, and I got it because I'm coming to America uh, in March to go to Dallas to WrestleMania. So I knew I was going to need it for international travel. So that's the reason why I got it. Wow, Wasn't I didn't that... know we'd be talking about this. My guess is we should probably go easy on this only because. But at some point, I'm glad to speak to you privately. But anything yeah. you want to speak about. But I, I, I don't want. Um, I have. If I start going off, I will 
YouTube will, will, will cancel us. We will. I will single-handedly get your entire podcast destroyed. I will <laughs> literally destroy your entire podcast. The joy that you get with your little papers, that you read little crib sheet, that you're reading, and you do your funny little opening, it's all gone. Yeah. All gone. So we'll talk privately about it. I'm glad to hear it, though, man. I am glad let's, to hear yeah. well, let's move that in, in Ireland. I'm glad. I really, really am. And you know what? This, as much off the topic as that seemed, the truth is what brought us to that is the issue of fear and being devastated, crippled by fear, and yet somehow standing up and facing your fear and, and moving forward. And so these kids, why these kids, so many kids, we're talking about people in their 20s and 30s, as very excited to see me, but even young kids, teenagers come to see me. They're having a really rough time. They yeah. see me, face your fear, be inspired. It's all wonderful stuff. So yes, those conventions, it's fantastic for me to be there. Let's talk about the future. Let's talk about this. Can, can we say the name of it? What's the name of it? <laughs> well, the name of it is funny. I never actually say it. It's a, it's a movie that I'm involved in uh, that I just did uh, called... Um, Oh, wait, can I just plug one thing before we do that? Yep. Before, because we'll be getting off the courage. Uh, well, we'll never, I mean, courage is just a part of this whole thing, but um, mm -hmm. that there is a movie out um, called Straight Out of Nowhere from one of Scooby Doo. Brothers, courage meets Scooby Doo. And that's, uh, you know, I was very excited to kind of, because courage has been done since 2002, and there have been many chances or attempts to reboot it it never quite gets off the ground but it's always a possibility so this was the first courage for me in you know 22 years very very exciting and the movie is wonderful and i suggest you can either get it i don't know if you got in ireland the streaming services might be hard for you right yeah but it's an order amazon you can order it on amazon yep and they do have the DVDs on Amazon, Courage Meets Scooby-Doo. Uh, I'm promoting it because, sadly, Warner Brothers did not see fit to do a proper promotion job, in my personal opinion. So yeah, now I'm alienating I'm, Warner Brothers. See, I'm yeah. just your kind of guy, right? Yeah. I See, I, I didn't know about it until I was reading up, like, reading up bits and pieces about your past and about the... The stuff and the writing and the lab rats and things right, like that, and, and then I and then I just seen that. this, and I was like, "This came out last was it October?" Well, September. Yeah, September. September, and yeah. I didn't hear anything about it, but I thought there'd be a big push on it in the U.S. There but was like... a mild push, a very mild push. They really did not push harder. I mean, it's out there. Do you, a do lot you... of people have seen it, and Scooby Doo you... kind of sells itself. It's really a Scooby Doo movie with courage in it. But do you think I, do you, they, they really did a special job of making Courage particularly featured? They did a great job of the movie. So the people that created the movie were very generous in their homage to Courage. They really did a great job of it. And it's great fun. Um, but I'm just saying the promotion of it, I don't know why they wouldn't choose to promote it a little bit better. And they both, they own both dogs. Yeah. They own Scooby-Doo, they own Courage anyway now. Why would they not promote that? I just thought the two dogs would have been great. Do you think that something to do with it? Because yeah. do you think while, that 
Yeah. Do, do you think the pandemic had something to do with it? Because it went straight to DVD, didn't it? It, didn't well, it was going to go. It was going to go. Uh, well, that was the plan. And it's not just DVD; it's also on streaming services. Service. Yeah. The, unfortunately, for us who like collecting residuals, the thing of the future. <laughs> because streaming services mean that we don't get residuals off those streaming uh, platforms. I don't think so, anyway. But mm. that's okay. I don't care as long as it's out there. I mean, you know, and uh, and uh, you know, it is out there. A lot of people stream it, so that's how it's it's digital or it's DVD. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, 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 it. I believe it's still doing marginally well because uh, the Scooby Doo movies always do well. And I guess that's why they didn't see the need to promote it. But for Courage fans, a lot of Courage fans didn't even know it was out yet. Wow. Oh, it's out? You can get it? How, do, how would you not know that? Why would they not do follow-up sales promotions? Just little com commercials or, th or throw the... Like, why not? It's unbelievable that they didn't do it. So anyway, but enough of that. On to my vanity project. <laughs> 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 so um I did a um I did a one act play, right, with my theater company. I'm a part of a theater company called Theater 68 and we meet weekly and we do we work on our craft and stuff. So it's kind of nice for me to have that general outlet keeping things going, always working, all of that good stuff, right? Yeah. Um <clears throat> and I did a one-act play that somebody wrote using Hunter Thompson as a, a, a main character, and I got cast as Hunter Thompson. Hunter Thompson, one of the great uh, journalists of the 1960s and 70s, invented a new brand of journalism, essentially called gonzo journalism, he ba where, where basically the journalist is inserted into the action, and he is essentially a part of the activity that he's reporting on, which is kind of very active, very vibrant, very off the wall. And he was extremely off the wall, a brilliant, very insightful observations, very rebellious and a little out of control. You know, he was an, he was an imbiber of all sorts of uh, substances. He, you know, was a dark individual. And yet he strangely had a really cool sense of morality, if one could say that both of those things, very complex, very funny, very funny character. So um, anyway, sadly committed suicide at age 67 in his um, uh, Colorado cabin. So anyway, I decided, because I was so gripped by playing this character, that I wanted to produce a short film where I get to play Hunter Thompson. I got my... Great friend Rick Mowat uh, from Snack Pack Productions to direct it and write a new screenplay, a whole new story. He and I sat down, hashed out the story a little bit, basic storyline. He went ahead and wrote the whole thing, and then we put it together, shot it. It's been edited, put together. It's, I guess, 85% done. It's viewable. But it needs more mute, it needs music, original music, it needs some uh, color correction, it needs some technical stuff to get it into the end zone. So, yeah. I'm doing what a whole lot of people do uh, uh, in this industry, which is essentially uh, create a campaign to yeah. for contributions 
uh, for completion costs. Yeah, get Crow thing, crowdfunding, get, basically. Get it so that it'll go to these various um, film festivals that looks the best it possibly can look. It sounds good as it possibly can sound. Uh, and so I'm in the midst of this thing right now. Uh, and so uh, I don't know. I don't know how you want to, should I say, if you want to check it out, there's a, is it link? There's a link. Uh, there's going to be a link in this video. Yeah. Of the, we'll campaign, provide yeah. the link. See right yeah. now, the link's not there now because we're recording this folks. We recorded this last week. We recorded, sorry. Yeah. We recorded this. What you're seeing me say now I am actually speaking from last week, as far as yeah. you're concerned. Last so there's so there's, right now, it's there. So let me look down. There's See 13 the days left Click on, on the campaign. Click. What's that? There's 20 days left. So No, 13. Well, but it, yeah, that's sorry. There's 13 <laughs> days left. 13 days left. So anyway, click on the link. It'll It'll take you right to the page. It'll tell you about the movie. There's a short video with a short clip. Like clips of the movie tells you how, a little bit about how it was made, the process of it, um, and then it gives you the various um, tiers where you can pledge uh, contributions, whatever you want to give. Um, and there's, you know, like one of them he shows to, he's leading the witness here. He's moving things along. He's got kids that might wake up at any minute. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so there, there are there are various reward tiers. Um, you know, and certain things that you give come, everything comes with a little something and some things come with many, many somethings. So as it goes up, there's more and more things that you get, little goodies that we give you. Uh, and, you know, one of them is a signed photo, uh, you know, autographed photo of from Marty Grabstein, Kurt the Godly Dog. We also have a digital, um, a, a shout, a digital um, shout out, thank you to people that happen. There's also a master class on, on filmmaking that's included in that. And as we go on and on, the Courage Funko Pop, you can bring it up now, sir. Bring the Funko Pop up now, sir. There's there we the go. Funko Pop! The Courage <laughs> Funko Pop. Anyway, so it's very exciting. This just came out. Um, and I only have four of them right now in my own apartment. But I got another another hundred on the way but we will have we have 15 of those funko pops well now it's down to about 10 because five have already been bought um so signed funko pop it also comes with a video shout out from me so you see what i'm doing right now folks you get to see more of this but it's all to you imagine for a you know a minute and a half two minutes i'm talking to you like this isn't that what everybody's dreaming of? Anyway. <laughs> oh Lord. I want I want to know about the, the dinner. Let's talk oh, about the dinner. Sorry, thank it's you the for big one. Ones. That's why we talked beforehand. See, yeah. folks, we try to go a little bit, you know, wing it a little bit, but we did speak about a couple of things. And one of the things is if you hit a certain level, if you're willing to do it, you get a, a dinner with Marty Grabstein on zoom we sit we talk we eat it's like we're having dinner together on zoom and i'll do everything i can to make it as as unsterile as possible i know zoom can have a sterile feel to it yeah. we'll do everything we can to unsterile it i've got a i've got questions about the dinner 
how uh -oh. how many how many courses will this dinner be? Is it a main oh. course or <laughs> how many courses? <laughs> you know, we gotta think this dinner thing out because the thing is, it's not like basically what's gonna happen is that you know you just eat whatever you want to eat. It's just the dinner part is really like. Like I'll probably eat a sandwich or something. Oh, you know? Marty, I thought I thought you were going to pick like your favorite dish or something. What's what's your favorite dish? My favorite dish, uh, lobster. <laughs> there you go. That's what you should have. Treat yourself. Oh, I don't want to have lobster if someone else is eating. You know, if someone else is eating peanut butter. <laughs> As a matter of fact, what I'll probably do is ask the person what they want to have for dinner. Let them choose what, and I'll try to match up what the, we're both eating with the same thing. Yeah, that could be good. Yeah, get them involved in the planning of the dinner. <laughs> but anyway, and as you go up, there's you know, you get mentions, your name could be in the credits, and all that cool stuff. There's a lot of fun things. These are these are rewards, these are not you're not purchasing these items, these are like thank yous with regards to contributing to this process. And I think it, it it's a fun thing. And um, this, I believe, will do some good things for me as we move further along, you know, particular voice by doing this character. It's a particular voice that's really good for me. Yeah. So, And you kind of alluded to it earlier a little bit that you might have some other things in the pipelines coming up. Is there anything you can reveal or is it all a mystery? Uh, yeah, I'm not supposed to, you know, say anything. So there are, I mean, there's actually a couple of things going on and I, I'm not actually supposed to even speak on it, but, um, you know, one of, I mean, one of them is, you know, could involve more of an ongoing, like its own, like kind of a possible, um, regular, almost its own channel so to say okay it could be my own you like a youtube channel but something a little bit different where basically i am and my partner my creative partner uh we, will be essentially involved in the programming of it and we will be they'll be performing they'll be we'll have other people on and it becomes a networking thing in its own right and us uh, we have a right now a potential really not good producer with so i actually did reveal it I revealed yeah. one of the things. I'm not sure if there was something else that I mentioned to you that I'm forgetting, though. No, I don't think so. And are you kind of alluding to, like, you're starting a kind of uh, podcast, is it? Or Well, no, you know uh, what it is, really, what's happening here is that essentially I've, I've developed a kind of, I've kind of hit, like, a whole new world, um, you know, of the potential for me to work. So as long as I still survive, as long as I'm still alive, I think I'm actually more castable now in things than I have been. And by the way, I was on uh, the show Blacklist recently. I don't know if you're familiar with that show with James no. Spade. It, again, these are American shows. The Law and Order you guys get, though, right? Yeah, we do. I've been on a lot of the Law and Orders, and I was on Special Victims Unit about a, about a year and a half ago with Ice-T. Uh, so if you see M M Marty Gray, you could actually see that Marty Gray... Marty Grabstein acting with Ice T. Uh, <laughs> wow, cool little, but odd, but very enjoyable experience. So, I need to look that up for yeah. people. That... Actually, the title of the episode is called "Dis D I S S." 
idea. You look up skits, you'll see Marty Grabstein is a besieged paparazzi guy who got the crap beaten out of him. He's got a, and yet he's still, he's got, he's wearing a sling. He's he's got a black eye and yet he's still continuing to do his work. He's fearless. He just keeps going. Kind of a good character. (laughs) Anyway, go ahead. And you're, you're kind of like, uh, I seen you on Instagram lives recently, Facebook lives. Is this kind of new to you, the social media end of things? And do you think it's very helpful for interaction with your fans? Oh, boy, I will tell you this. First of all, um, yes, this is one could say extremely new for me. Uh, The Facebook, I really just began really diving into the Facebook world. I want to say maybe four years ago um, and slowly but surely built up uh, through a series of events, built up my followers to a, a very nice number, I believe but I still wasn't fully utilizing it properly. Instagram, I was sort of not doing much on Instagram. So I had very few followers from now from doing this campaign, the woman who's wonderful woman, Jen McPherson, who uh, is running my campaign for me and working very closely with me on this campaign for the, for the, uh, you know, for the raising, uh, raising funds for the film. Um, she said, you must be posting all the time. You got to post at mm-hmm. least minimum of three days a week, but maybe four, four or five days a week, post something, anything at all, whatever it is, just keep it coming. Because that's your name out there. And it's not just my name. It's actually, it's getting to more people because Instagram and Facebook are getting ding, 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 ding. He's posting, he's posting, send it more out, send more out. The algorithm work. It's, I didn't even realize that. So the more I'm posting, it doesn't even matter if a lot of people don't listen to that or watch that particular post. It's keeping, it's an overall process of keeping things going. And then all of a sudden, bing, you know, I got this one post that, you know, like over, like, and over 24 hours, like 35,000 views, you know, just over 24 hours, you know, that kind of thing. I know, I know you know, it's not... Uh, some of these million views that happen mm-hmm. about those unbelievable things. But I do have something that's approaching 200,000 in one of these posts. So wow. would that be considered going viral? Anyway, <laughs> I guess so. You're, you're good. I guess it is new, but it certainly is now become quite revealing to me that it is a very good way, as you said, to connect with people. And, uh, and I do try my best to answer People when they have questions or say hello, I try to answer as many people. I can't get to always everybody, but I get to a lot, a lot, a lot of people. You know. Yeah. And what I'll do is when I put this video up, I'll put the links up to your Instagram and your Facebook. Are you have, are you on the TikTok like your your friend? Hold on, let me just re- let me. No, I'm not on TikTok, but I've been told I got to get a TikTok page. I think you do. It's a little frightening to me. Does that mean I have to run up and down to do weird dance movements or like? I- t- and, and mouth the words of like Mariah Carey or, 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 or whatever. Some of those, I'm saying Mariah Carey, she's old already. Like, I, I've oh, got it. You're not supposed to use the word old. I used the wrong word. Anyway, but yes. Uh, so let me just read it. So that's uh, Marty Grabstein. Marty Grabstein. Um, at, hold on. Marty Grabstein Courage. Is, as you see, is my Facebook uh, moniker. And just Marty Grabstein is my uh, Instagram moniker. See, I'm looking at it as if I'm reading it. 
Now you're going <laughs> to see it, so it's going to look right. See him even going like that. See it in my moniker. It's okay. going to be down down here underneath this video. Underneath this video, we're going to see the yeah. link. Yeah. The links of all that thing and the Hunter Thompson link. It'll all be there. All right, Marty. That was a very nice chat today. Wow. So what does that mean? Are we saying goodbye? I like think we're saying goodbye. It's not, go it it, it, it's not goodbye. It's see you later. See you later. But how does it end, Maurice? Like, is it going to end a certain way? Like, or is it just... Will we just kind of just keep talking gibberish and I'll just end, end it? Or do you, you want to say anything? So you don't do this fancy goodbye and you don't touch your ear like Carol Burnett used to do at the end, which says, see you soon. I, I tell you, I tell you what I'll do. I've never done it before. I'll take myself off the screen for a second, and you can do the outro. How about that? Okay, Improv. Idea what I'm going to do? It's going to be totally off the wall. Let me see. No idea. Okay. What I had. okay, my friends. Now that he's gone, <laughs> I just want you to know that I much appreciate you watching Cheap Heat and my good friend Maurice Shortall. Shortall. I said shortfall. I don't know. Whatever it is, his name is an Irish guy, just like you people are. Well, you're all Irish people. So thank you for coming. And uh, this is really, really cool to be here. So here's what I want to say to you people. Turn to your fellow man. Hug your fellow man. Live your lives. You've been through enough with this nonsense going on in your country. So we want, we want Ireland to be to come back to being Ireland, or as I quote the wonderful words of Paul McCartney, give Ireland back to the Irish. God bless you all and be well. There you go. How's that for an ending? <laughs> I, I think. It